I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the acquisitions editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. So I am here with Barbara Emoti. She's the author of Sew, the Garment-Making Book of Knowledge. She's a longtime seamstress and sewing instructor. And um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit today about, you know, how your book came to be. So, um, you know, the thing that initially struck me most about your proposal is the depth and the uniqueness of your background. Um, So I wanted to ask, like, how long have you been sewing and how did you get started? Well, I started, as most girls do, making Barbie doll clothes when I was eight. And I distinctly remember that first garment, and I just loved it so much. And so I kept sewing, and my mother let me cut up old clothes. And then I'm the oldest of four girls. And in the summer, in a very small town in the Canadian prairies, by the time I was 12, I was just driving her crazy with all my projects. Actually, I started a sweatshop where I was making doll clothes and was employing other little girls till the uh, mothers came and talked to my mother and said if they had one more kid, ask them for one more dime to buy one more dress. So I was basically, I was shut down by the uh, local labor relations board. So my mom sent me to a singer sewing school, which they used to have in small towns in the basement of a singer store and it was all adult women and I was 12 but she got me out of the house and I made a fully lined pink wool suit with bound buttonholes which was absurd I had nowhere to wear it but and I just have been sewing continually ever since wow I I like the sweatshop I hadn't heard that one before (laughs) I know (laughs) well it was pretty bad (laughs) You know, it's a fun way to get started. Um, Well, and you know, ever since then, you've been teaching and sharing sewing for really quite some time. Like, where are some of the places that you've taught? Oh, my goodness. I've taught everywhere. I have taught in, obviously, Canada. I've taught a lot in uh, the U.S. And I lived for five years in Australia. And I actually was, I have a whole other sideline as a, you know, an academic teacher. And I was teaching writing in a school of architecture, uh, construction, and interior design. And the interior design uh, profs asked me if I would do a sewing elective. So I did, which was like the best part of my job. And um, this was a, I think it was one of two women in in the institution of a staff of 1,500 men. So uh, some of the welders started to take my sewing classes. And I had two, the Cripps brothers, and they were welders, and they walked in and said, we want to make matching velvet pants, which <laughs> for first project with flies. And so I thought, well, okay. And I started to teach them, and famously, I've said it in the book, they said, right, 
It's just like sheet metal work. You cut her out. I can't wish I could do the Australian accent. You cut her out flat and you make it round. And they were marvelous. They end up great sellers. So I've taught in shops. I've taught at conventions. And in my house, people sometimes come to my house. I had uh, two women who were nervous about cutting something up. They phoned me up and they said, can we cut it up in your dining room table where you can watch us? And my husband said, there are two women, you know, in the dining room cutting up fabric. And I said, yeah. Uh, so I do a lot of that as well. Wow. So, well, I have to ask this follow-up. Uh, so how did the velvet pants turn out? They turned out great, actually. <laughs> they really turned out great. And that was probably one of my most important sewing experiences, that I have great respect for new sewers who jump in. And that's kind of my mission with the book and everything else that I'm doing, is to make as much as I can available to people who are starting out because I am not one of those you have to apprentice spinning muslins for 30 years and do a Chanel jacket before you're a real sewer because I've seen absolute beginners do amazing work and you know over I remember one student could do nothing and you know after three series of classes I would regard her as an expert so I'm a great believer in nurturing attitude. Uh, well, you know, and I know too, I've, I work with a lot of instructors and a lot of teachers and especially the ones who've been teaching for a long time and, and those who've really taken the show on the road. There are lots of fun teaching moments that are memorable, um, not necessarily in a, you know, wonderful way, but in kind of a, I can laugh about it later way. Um, yeah. So I have to ask, do you have a most memorable student or classroom moment? Well, I have two that immediately come to mind. One is I was teaching in a very cramped space in a, actually a store, a retail location, and I had uh, probably too many students. So I was doing something and I had to trim it. And I so I put it on my lap. And of course, then somebody started telling her labor and delivery stories. It was absolutely riveting. And I looked down and actually trimming, I'd actually sliced right through my own skirt. So that oh, was you know, one thing that I did. Um, and I remember an older lady came up, put her arm in, and she said, you know what? Only God is perfect. <laughs> you got that right. Um, and the other one, oh, my goodness, I have so many stories. Uh, one was a very well-known figure skater's trainer showed up at a class. And she said, listen, it was in the World Cup, actually, was being held in my city. And she said, listen, I just want to come and sit and be with Soros. I can't, I'm so stressed out. And she just sat there and just listened and left. So it was sort of therapy. And I also had a CBC radio producer who came for also for stress relief. And she was so, tried so hard. And she made a dress. And when she did it, she put the zipper in upside down. And that's when I instituted my uh, famous rule, if you cry, Barbara will fix it. So. Oh, <laughs> well, then that's kind of a nice rule. That's a nice rule. Um, yeah. You shouldn't share it, though, because now everybody's going to cry. Yeah, well, it's all right. I don't <laughs> mind. I mean, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, you know, and, and the other thing I think, that's interesting to share, um, and I, I get all this from people's proposals, so I, I instantly get some background scoop on every book and every author. 
Um, but one thing that kind of intrigued me was that in addition to the breadth of your sewing experience, you have a really deep background in writing, which is a little bit unusual in that I'm usually acquiring, you know, what amount to instructional manuals. Um, can you tell me a bit about your background and how your day job kind of bleeds over into your sewing life? Well, they're very deeply intertwined. I mean, I would like to be sewing all the time. My whole life, I would, I've always rather been sewing, you know, I need that kind of license plate. Um, I worked as a journalist for the newspaper. I did that for a long time. And I worked as a technical editor for a big telecommunication company. But then they went through one of these big mergers. And so then I applied completely randomly answering an ad at lunchtime because I had just overheard them prepare layoffs for 10,000 people. So I thought, yeah, I better look for another job. And I ended up ended up working for a political office for a party I'd never voted for, but they offered me a job. So I ended up writing political speeches and columns and and I right now, actually, I'm a political commentator, um, provincially on the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. So I've always written, but it's just kind of, I mean, it's kind of compatible with sewing. I don't know. Yeah, they're both sort of creative. But when I was working for the politicians, um, that actually kept me, they take it pretty seriously. And I don't take a lot seriously. So I used to have a small genome that I put in my computer bag that I would take my laptop out and leave it at the office and take my sewing machine. And everywhere we went, Barbara worked so hard. She always had, always went up early to her room to write. And as soon as I get up in that room, I take out my sewing machine. <laughs> oh my God. And, and so I couldn't have survived them otherwise. Honestly, oh, yeah. so, so do you think that, you know, some of them will only be finding this out now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I did tell my boss eventually, who uh, very loyally started reading my blog and said to me, I ran into him actually at an official function. He ended up being the premier of the province at an official function. He said, you know, I've been looking at your YouTube videos. It's something called Taylor Tacks. Like, so, in fact, I converted them. Nice. <laughs> that That is quite the achievement. Um, well, in, in addition to your, you know, your day job, um, yeah. you, you write constantly. So where can yeah. people, in, it, obviously in addition to your book, uh, where can people read more of your sewing tips and stories? Well, probably my blog, um, is, which I write, I write both sewing information and I put up some things I make. Um, but I also write something called flypaper thoughts, which is just like, you know, that sticks to the flypaper. Um, and that is my stream of consciousness writing. And that's actually on barbaramodi.com. Uh, they can find that there. I post on Instagram most days at Modi, And, uh, I've written for a lot of magazines. So there's a lot of back issue stuff from threads and the and stitches that has my name on it too. But the blog's current. Yeah. And is that the is that at barbaramodi.com? Yes, it is. Okay. I just want to make sure they were the same place. Um, and then, so talking about your book a little bit, because it's really an unusual one for us. No. I think, I think it's actually kind of unique out there. And to me, the first line of your introduction 
summarizes the book as a whole. Um, so do you happen to have it in front of you or do you want me to like, read the first line? And could, I, could you read it? I'm currently standing in the woods. <laughs> I love that you're standing in the woods, by the way. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I just love to know from your perspective, how this was the jumping off point for your book. Um, so the first okay. line of introduction reads, I decided to write this book the day I realized how lucky I was. I was reading the sewing blogs of some fabulous young sewists when it hit me. My people are back. Yes, that's, yes, that's exactly. Well, it was a Tuesday night and I was entertaining myself. I was looking, just looking at uh, a lot of the blogs that I follow and I thought, oh my goodness, these, this is such creative, interesting back to the new sore becomes expert or it was just that it was a spirit that I have felt since I was eight. And I'm a generation of women that, you know, their mother sewed, their grandmother sewed. And when you went into the workforce, that kind of demeaned things that your mother and grandmother did. So I was, a, I felt as a sore for a lot of my life as an outlier. And then I, I realized that these women have the confidence um, to be creative, you know, in the open. They're not putting their machines inside computer bags. And I thought, it, I was just so excited. It was, you know, it was like the lost tribe. <laughs> Walked into my living room. It was wonderful. And... But then I also thought that I was a repository of, because I had been sewing in the wilderness, which I'm now standing in now, um, by myself for so long, I thought, I've made a lot of mistakes. And I have learned a lot from the people who helped me fix them. And I could see, I thought, you know what, I could save some of these young women, uh, you know, some of the frustration. So, gee, maybe I should write a book. So I I basically sat on my dining room table that night and sent off the proposal that you got. Wow, all in one day. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I was inspired. Yeah, I, yeah, I love when I, I hear the backstory on why somebody decided to even start a proposal. Um, and, you know, I'm the generation that you kind of talk about a bit in the introduction, that I was probably in one of the, the, last, the last groups of people who had a home ec class as part of their curriculum. Yeah. But even at the time when I took it, it was a little bit of an afterthought. I mean, I was lucky in that my mom always sewed. She, she tried her best to teach me to sew. And even now she's kind of amazed that I've picked things up as a hobby later. Um, so what do you feel that like my particular group of people and those who came after me, what are they missing out on the most that you're, you're helping them with? I think probably... Well, I can only speak that personally for myself because I think different teachers and different writers are offering different things. But for me, it I want them to be relaxed. I want them to feel confident. I want them to realize that there are there's a menu of ways of doing everything. And depending on who you are, a certain uh, tools or techniques are more comfortable in your hands. And so part of because of my background and experience, I kind of know five different ways to do a lot of things. And so I want to empower them to make those choices. I, 
I actually, one of my young sewers who I've kind of gotten to know through Instagram actually said to me, she, she would like sewing to be stress relief, but she finds it so stressful to try to do it perfectly. And, and I said to her, it's not supposed to be perfect. Uh, it is supposed to be kind of a process where you make a lot of choices. It's not paint by number. It's not following instructions. There's not one way. And I have a sewing friend that I sew with, and we sew often almost the same garment in completely different ways. So I guess I want to share that kind of vocabulary and menu. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of cool because it's it does feel like you've if you – take a class or you read a book, you have to follow exactly what's in there. Um, so what, what would you say is your most, oh, rebellious stance on sewing? My rebellious stance? Um, probably, I don't believe in formulas of any kind. Um, so, but I do, I do think there are a few rules that are really important. And one of them is that it's not like we design and plan and we know what, you know, certain things that should be in every wardrobe. I think it's really important to listen to your fabric and to have that conversation. And I know that sounds kind of nutty. Like I have shelves of fabric and sometimes I go to pull something up and I'll say, nah, nah, nah. like leave, leave me. For, this isn't me, right? Don't make that out of me. And I think even when you work with fabric, if you have a technique, sometimes it will say to you, it's just not going to work. Um, try something that respects me a little more. So I, maybe the idea of having a conversation with your fabric, I mean, your partners, you're not doing it to them. Gotcha. I don't <laughs> no, that's, fun. that's really fun. And I think that that's something you have to gain through experience. Because right now, all my fabric says to me is, you've spent a lot of money, please use me. Um, so I want to know what didn't make it into the book. I mean, because it's, it's a long book. Oh. There's so much packed in there. But I know that every single author I've ever talked to, there was something they just wished they could have fit in, but they couldn't, they couldn't fit it, they couldn't make it work, or it was just kind of the square peg round hole. So is there something that you wish you could have fit in here that just was kind of a wrench to leave it out? Yes, uh, techniques. Uh, I have so many techniques, like I think are kind of nifty ways of doing things. Um, so when I teach, sometimes I you know, show a student something that I've worked out, usually by having messed it up myself so many times, and I say, oh, that's so much easier. And so there were a lot of those that I couldn't fit in because I made a priority this book to try to uh, work on confidence and attitude to sewing and comfort and enjoyment with sewing. Because if you don't have that, for me to provide just techniques, I was afraid that would then put put a sewer back into, or sewist, back into the very prescriptive uh, approach that I didn't want to do. So I wanted, I talk in the book about different types of personalities for solos and how they learn in different ways. And I wanted to have room to say, you know what, if you're a tactile learner, you should make your bound buttonholes this way. If you're a visual learner, you'll be more comfortable that way. And 
And I thought that would have been interesting, but I could. It would have been like a thousand pages. <laughs> yeah, we have yet to do a thousand page book. I will give you that. <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah. I'm never going to say never because that's, that's when you end up with that project. Um, exactly. Well, and so let me ask you this. Um, what do you think to just your average reader is going to be the most surprising thing about your book? The most surprising thing about my book, hopefully, if I've done my job right, is they will be surprised that there really is an easier way to do something and that there are tools and approaches that are so much easier and that the way they individually are doing it, which might be completely different from anything they see in the social media, is maybe perfect for them. That sewing is easy. Uh, and I think people tend to think this is something I have to study or it's a reference book. I, I don't think it's that. So hopefully that's a surprise I want people to, to get. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is very readable. I, I mean, obviously there's no plot, so it's not a novel, um, but it is pretty fun to read. So Thank let you. me, ask, well, no, I mean, it's definitely a lot of work went into that. And I appreciate that very much. So let me ask you this, and I kind of half know the answer because of where you are. So what are you up to now? Well, right now I'm in Austin, Texas, and I'm in the Texas State Park, and uh, I'm going to actually be sewing for the rest of today. Uh, the entire book was uh, written and sewn outdoors. So people want to know what my studio was like. Uh, just because of the time frame, I've got a, I'm in, I'm Canadian. I live in Nova Scotia, but I have a son in Austin, Texas, and a son in Berkeley. And we have an RV because it's wonderful to visit Berkeley Sun. So you're not in their house. You're kind of in their vicinity. So mm -hmm. uh, I do most of my, with my ironing board or my sewing machine plugged into the side of the RV on a picnic table with a ironing board set up in the middle of the campsite. It's great. I mean, when I was working on the book and making samples, I had so many people come over like campers to see what I was doing. So it was great. It was uh, community sewing. Okay. Now I have to say I've acquired books for, um, well, it's coming up very quickly on 20 years and that's the first time I've heard that one. <laughs> oh, really? I've never heard somebody write a book in entirely out of doors, especially a book on sewing. Well, it was good. I think actually it was really good. And I, I think it actually made it a much more social experience because I was right out there. And one of my best memories was a, a man, actually, he was one of the ground, you know, cutting the grass. And he came and he stood in front of my picnic table and he started to cry. And I thought, whoa, what am I doing? And he said, I lost my mother when I was a little boy, and I have not heard a sewing machine sound since then. She sewed all the time. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So, That's yeah, it amazing. was, and I, I just felt this was so important. And I had so many people come up and say similar things or to say, gee, you're sewing, you know, and, or I've, you know, one woman said to me is, I haven't seen an ironing board and an iron in action in years. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's easy. I look, you need, it's, it's so easy to do. And I recommend it. 
Definitely. Definitely. Well, okay. So right now you're on the road, you're having fun. You're still out of doors. So for people who might want to follow you, what's next? Uh, What's next is uh, like immediately, I have a whole lot of work to do. Um, And then I'm going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Vintage Sewing Machine Museum little convention or little conference there. And I'm going to be talking about vintage sewing machine attachments. I'm not a vintage dresser or sewer in any other way. I'm going to be doing that. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm expanding and collecting my little repertoire of easy techniques that will make you feel like a successful genius for variations. (laughs) And, And, uh, you know, hopefully find a way to share that. Gotcha. And so for people who might want to stop by and see you talk at some point, um, do you keep your schedule on your website or how can people learn about what you're doing? Well, um, yeah, I, I do. I do. I'm, I'm not a big self promoter. Um, but what people can do is particularly cause I'm all over the place. Just email me, just email me. I mean, I, everywhere I go, I meet people who read you know, read my blog. I have stopped in innumerable parking lots where women have driven up, you know, beside me and said, will you look at the zipper? What's wrong with the zipper? And I do a lot of that. So sure. Just if if people have any sewing issues or problems, people send me photographs. Like I'm really into all of that. Excellent. Yeah. You, and now you'll get a lot more. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. People are doing such great things, and I love to see it, and I just love to meet people. Excellent. Well, you know, and then I will let you get back to that. So I I really thank you so much for your time. I love hearing even more of the backstory that I didn't know. Um, (laughs) And that is it. Thank you so much, Barbara. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much to Barbara for taking time out of her RV tour to talk with me. She really has the best stories. You can find Barbara and Modi on her blog, Sewing on the Edge. The link is in the episode description. And of course, if you like what you heard, be sure to share behind the scenes with your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 